Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Solomon Apre Hour podcast. My name is Tim Sweeney. I work for Solomon. If you've not listened to this before, thank you for tuning in. Um, I'm doing this right now from my home in Annecy, France, where Solomon has its headquarters. And like many of you around the world, we're in lockdown here. So uh, again, doing our best to offer some some outdoor content as best we can during these uh, challenging times. So uh, apologies for any sound trouble we might have, but uh, doing what we can. So I hope everyone's safe and healthy and looking after their families. Now that we have that out of the way, I'm really excited today because we have mountain athlete and longtime Solomon team member Killian Jornet on the phone to tell a few stories. Welcome, sir. How are you? Uh, very good uh, for the circumstances. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's a crazy moment, but uh, also I think it will be a good it's a good test for society, like to see how we can forget about our individual like goals or individual like um, uh, comfort and, and look forward to or like look for the community, look for the yeah the well-being of all of us like as, as society. Yeah, it's a very unique time in the world, and who knows who knows how much of a grip we have on it. I guess that time will tell, but. You're right. Well, we want to give people a little distraction here, I guess, and, and get into some stories with you. I'm going to assume that most everyone listening knows a bit about you, that you grew up in a mountain hut in the Pyrenees, and you've been winning trail races all over the planet for 15 years or so, flying up all the tallest mountains in the world, and of course, been to the top of Everest twice in a week without oxygen by yourself, all of that. So let's assume they know all of that uh, about you, assuming I got none of that wrong. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I have been lucky with my career and I have been enjoying a lot, like racing and climbing around. So, yeah, had, uh, yeah, I had fun and I still have fun up in the mountains. I, I summarized um, a whole lot of training and work in about 20 seconds there. So I apologize if I minimized your, your, uh, all your efforts. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like I, I'm someone that l- likes to look more towards the future than, than on the past. So I'm, I'm very fine with it. All right. Let's talk first about your your schedule and plans, not necessarily what you're doing, but how do you decide on on your plans? You're changing from sport to sport. And I guess even in the sport of trail running, you're pretty unique in that you don't run all year round. I mean, there's some guys that do schemo that that in the winter and run in the warmer months. But how do you decide, say, from week to week or day to day what you're going to do? Well, like uh, it's uh, the first moment. I think it's the, the yearly plan that uh, that comes. Maybe something like November. And uh, yeah, I like to do both seasons, like skim on winter because snow and it's it's fun and, and it's my first sport. And then summer, like uh, racing and some climbing projects. So actually, in the last uh, years, I was doing more like calendar. So like. Uh, uh, World Cup ski mountaineering in winter and like uh, some kind of like the sky running or the golden dress areas or like uh, the big ultras in the summer. But um, in the last years, I had changed a bit that to do more like, uh, uh, yeah, less racing, more training, and then just find some big goals. So like one or two big goals in winter and one or two in summer. And, and those could be like trail running or they could be like uh, climbing or uh, skiing and just try to, to plan the training around that. And then even if I don't have like a day, like a day by day training plan, like I, I, yeah, I kind of three, four months in advance, the training for to, to be good in these goals. Yeah. Okay. So it's like brackets of training, short term goals leading up to things you're, you're going to do. Have you trained today, for instance, we're talking in the morning, but do you go out early? Do you go out in the afternoon twice a day? What's the, 
changes, I guess. Yes. Uh, well, normally I, I train twice a day. Uh, I this morning I was cycling. I was doing some indoor cycling, and then this afternoon I will I will train again. Uh, yeah, like uh, my normal schedule is like now we combine with with Emily. Uh, one is going uh, or in in normal situation like one is go, going outdoors in the morning and the other is training indoors uh, when my sleeping and then we change in the afternoon. So like we do one one training indoors and one outdoors and. Yeah, now we will adapt, but uh, we we are lucky to live in a in a place that it's uh, it's uh, far away, and, and we can still like enjoy the the near outdoors in in our home. And, and uh, since we got our daughter, like uh, we have a treadmill and a home trainer, so it's a good thing for for these days. Right, watch the baby and get your exercise in. I'm sure you're like a lot of people in that way. What about the uh, people who who follow you are all levels, but a lot of really core, hardcore people follow you and they're always training, always running. I've heard you talk before a little bit about this, but can you touch on the importance of um, doing long, uh, doing different sports over the long term, like for your health? You've had relatively few injuries um, over the course of your time for all you do, but um, you don't run 12 months a year. You're, you're switching things up. What, what role has that played in your health, do you think? Yeah, I believe uh, it's important to cross train uh, uh, first because it, it gives like strength in other things. Like if you are like, uh, I know like uh, being climbing big mountains, it has nothing to do with like running fast, but uh, mentally it uh, has been, yeah, it has been learning so much that I can apply after in racing and the same on skiing, for example, on like running downhill uh, with all my background on skiing, like uh, in terms of vision is very important. So I think like practice other sports, it makes you race and run smarter. But also, as you said, like for injuries, it's it's basic because, um, for instance, I'm six months a year that I'm almost not running. Uh, so I do a lot of cardio, I do a lot of uh, intensity training, but uh, with uh, zero impact and it changed like um, how I use my muscles, how I use my joints. And I think that's... In the long term, it's it's very healthy for, yeah, for being injury free. And you you've trained your you kind of plan your own schedule. You don't work with the trainer, which is pretty unique. So you're always learning, I guess, and documenting everything that you do. Yeah, I'm kind of a geek on that. Like I, I have my training log since 2004, and I has been noting since then, like every day, what I has been doing, how it has been feeling. Uh, and kind of everything. So, uh, yeah, I, I love to learn. I I love to read what others do and try to understand why it works something and why something not works. To try to do some experiments with myself to do like what, where I can push my body and how it reacts, and then try to see if it's something that I can use on training. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's the most interesting of all. Like. Uh, is not to win races, but to try to explore your body. And, and for me, that's uh, that's more on training. And then the races are kind of a check thing to see if it works or not. Yeah, it's, you're more about exploring your potential, I guess, than uh, any result against other people. What, what do you eat for, say, a breakfast beforehand? I'm just asking you that because um, you mentioned logging all your training and everything, and it came up on social media. Someone asked that question. What, what does he eat for breakfast? Well, like I'm not a, a foodie. Like I, for me, food is it's fuel to to be able to train. So, 
so I'm not someone that really enjoys food. Um, <laughs> but uh, normally for breakfast, I would take like some granola or like bread with uh, uh, with something. Um, yeah, not not my breakfast though. And before a race, is it super minimal? Mm, yeah, kind of like I would eat like three hours before the race, okay. three hours before the start, and and yeah, just like one slice of bread. And, and some like water or juice and yeah that's all i'm curious about some of the performances you mentioned um it's not always about the result i'm sure and you've said that many times but are there times where the performance really you surprise yourself like you perform much better than you expected it seems like you often have goals in mind for yourself but is there a time where you just go whoa i didn't expect that i could do that not necessarily a race but even say a project yeah. you had or well, it's always like uh, fun to see how, yeah, how a training it, it says something, but that, that's more expected. Like, for example, like when I was in, in like last year uh, racing in Sierginal, I, I performed much better than the years before, but I kind of knew because the training I did before, it was, uh, it was much more specific. So it was not kind of a surprise or when I was uh, climbing in, in Everest, the reaction to altitude, um, it was also kind of expected from the trainings before and for the that, but I think it's more like sometimes it's just like, I remember uh, some races that I have done with like zero recovery. Uh, I was surprised. I remember one time I did uh, the vertical kilometer in Chamonix. I think it was 2014 or 15. And uh, I, I was doing like I was I did a big climb the day before like Grand Jurassic North Face so we were like out for 23 hours non-stop and then just like going down sleep like couple of hours and then jump straight to the vertical kilometer in Chamonix and I didn't won that year I think I finished I don't know five six but I was like two minutes. Uh, uh, longer than my record there so i was very surprised i i thought like i yeah i was not go, going to to do a good time and, and the performance was very good mm, yeah since the day before i was like for 20 some hours just like uh, climbing so i think it's more about that like sometimes it's just like you you see how the body recovers and how the body uh yeah how, how it performs even if conditions are not are not good so do you not care i'm just curious because you know you show up to a race like that and everyone thinks most likely that you're going to win or be right right near it and you finish fifth but most people don't know you've been out for 20 hours i guess it's you have to just not care what other people think you're just doing it for your own performance and to see what you can do i'm just thinking the pressure would be like oh everyone expects me to win today but it's not that important to you well, it's easier to, to say and to think than to actually do because, right. of course, yeah. it's, it's this pressure. And, and I think it depends at times, like probably in the beginning, I didn't care at all. Then uh, it was some years that I was more caring. And then now probably I, I care less. But yeah, sure, it's, it's more. Uh, I know that when I, I go to a race, everybody is expecting to, me to win. Even if uh, we don't know, like uh, if I has been training well, if I has been injured, if I has been like uh, coming like from another race or project and I'm tired. But then I think like, yeah, of course I want to do to perform well first because I want to perform well, not for the others. But um, yeah, I, and then it's, it's just to like, we have one life. So we need to do what we want, not not 
think about what others might expect about us, yeah. Right. I, I just, I guess you said you've learned that over time. It must have been hard at the beginning where everyone's like, well, he's here, he's going to win. And you, that adds almost more pressure to yourself. Yeah, and pressure is it's a good thing sometimes. It's a bad thing sometimes. Uh, I mean, uh, because many times this pressure, it, it makes that during the race you give more. So, like, you push more, and in hard moments, it's like, no, okay, I, people expecting me to win, so I push harder. It motivates yourself to, yeah, to, to get the better. And on the other, on the other page, it's, uh, sometimes it can be hard because, like, the results are not coming, and people is not understanding why you are not winning, and, and that might lead to, to unmotivation or things like that. But I think at the end of the day, we need to take... I, I'm an optimistic person, so I always look to the positive, and I think, like, pressure, it, uh, it gives, like, this extra boost of uh, motivation. How do you um, identify your projects? Like, the, or the world is a pretty vast playground for you. I mean, places you go normally that people would never think about, but that makes it probably harder to choose what you want to do from year to year, month to month. Um, how far out are you planning? Generally, I know you're not going to tell everyone your projects, and I'm not asking you to, yeah. but, but um, I'm just curious how you identify things. Is it places, locations, like people you talk to, just research books? Well, yeah, it's, uh, I have a list with ideas that it's, it's endless. Like I think the big problem of planning is to put on calendar what's possible to do uh, because like it's it's many things like uh, racing it's it's kind of easier because like racing I'm motivated on races where it's a big level uh, so like the thing of discovering and all this like I'm is not what interests me more about racing uh, today but uh, on projects and mountains like it's it's because some people is is telling me about. Uh, about something, it's because like I climb one day a summit and I see that uh, it's other summits behind and and I see some lines to do, mm -hmm. or it's because I am reading uh, or like I just reading books or like looking to photographies of places and and start to imagine what could be possible. Uh, looking to maps, I love maps and I love like to to navigate on like Google Earth or like fad uh, <laughs> maps or these things and just like to start to imagine and then like to to do research and like to to start to to think what it would be like uh, possible there and to start to think what kind of training I would need to, to do this. And um, yeah, the hardest thing is that it's, it's not possible to do everything. So then it's like <laughs> to try to to find, okay, this project it would be good to do uh, in spring or in autumn or it's a winter project. And then like saying, okay, next winter, what I want to do is this, this, it fits or not. Uh, and the year after, so it's start, try to schedule everything on uh, yeah, on a busy calendar. Yeah, you you've um, you mentioned books there, and I know you like to read, you like to research, you like to learn. What about I mean, you've written a few books now? Curious where you schedule yourself uh, to write, to sit and sit still and write. I know you're not always a guy sitting still, but you're probably exhausted from time to time too. Do you set aside time to sit and write when you write these books, or? You know, you, you're working on films, with, I know, with editors, and you shoot a lot of the stuff yourself with the GoPro, but how do you sort of compartmentalize that that stuff in your life? Well, uh, injuries help a lot. <laughs> uh, you've written more in the last yeah. few years than you've ever written? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like, I, I, I'm looking, like, now, and actually, when I has been finishing my books, it has always been uh, uh, injury time. So, okay. so uh, I have been using injuries to 
this time to sit down and, and I can like, uh, yeah, write and I can like really do more productive things. But also, if I'm not injured, uh, I try to yeah to find some time like in the day like to to try to schedule like for example in the evenings after like six or after seven I I stay like for two hours to to do this work or uh, in the mornings. But it's it's hard to do like when when you are like in a very hard training period because then you need to rest and, and it's uh but yeah um if i'm not injured then yeah i, I try to to find some time a day and try to to put that on schedule so every day it's uh, yeah i do it you just set aside a bit of time and just put your thoughts down and things so you're always making notes in your training calendar and, and stuff too i guess so you can go back to that in a lot of cases yeah it's a lot of information everywhere like in notes in the training uh uh, log and and all these, but yeah, then it's uh, it's it always take time like to the thing like even like when you film like with the GoPro like you are doing a nice thing, but then like uh, you spend like uh, the double of time just to put in the hard disk or to send these images to edit. So uh, yeah, this this kind of things it looks easy like because we have experiences so we have in the mind or we have like footage because we take pictures in the mountains or we 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 shoot in in our like cameras. But uh, actually, yeah, like I, I would say like on my day, like if I train uh, four or five hours, uh, I spend at least three, four hours also like on just uh, sending or like just like taking all this uh, content, like visual content uh, or uh, yeah, all this visual content and putting like saving or sending or editing. So uh, the, yeah, it takes it takes some time and, and uh, I try to, to find time every day for doing that too three to four hours on the content alone so that should uh, people should appreciate all these posts you do <laughs> it's not like you just throw it up there I, I'm, I'm wondering also about the photography skills because you take some amazing photos you get yourself to some pretty nice places so I suppose that helps but did you take classes did you learn on your own did you learn some basics and do you carry just a small camera all the time the phone um, I'm sure people love to know I'm not encouraging them to go to the places you go to take them but um where did the photo skills come from? Well, like, I realized at some point that I'm very, very lucky to be able to run in, in, in some very cool and beautiful places. And, uh, and I think it's, it's nice to share these views with, with people. And, and the way I have to do it is, is, is through photography. And uh, I'm lucky, too, that I have been working with a lot of photographers for the last... 15 years, so I don't know when, but at some point I, I got more interested about that and, and tried to learn from these photographers, like when we were doing a photo shooting, go there and ask, uh, see the plans and see what they were doing and then like start asking more technical okay. uh, aspects about it, about photography, about uh, how to edit, about uh, everything. So I think it has been like working mostly probably with uh, at the beginning it was uh, Monica Dalmaso and then like uh, uh, Jordi Saragossa, Sam Montas, Damien Rosso, all these guys that I has been like asking things and looking how they did and, and try to learn from them and, and yeah, try to, to apply when I go out and yeah. I, I often take only my phone or the GoPro with me, but if I go to an easy day or I know that it will be a very cool place, I take my big camera. so the quality is better too. I want to switch gears a little bit to just people and interacting with people on the road. I, I'm, 
thinking back to was a year and a half ago. Well, the movie just came out, Inside Killian, if anyone wants to check that out um, on Rakuten, the the viewing platform, which is really interesting. I think it's an insight into your a different part of your life, all the work behind the scenes on, on the media tour that we went on, or I went on some of it. You went on a crazy media tour around the world. What does it feel like to have the interactions with people? I know that life has probably gotten a little more crazy than you expected when you go to big races and things like that. But um, so there's like, you're, you're a nice guy to everybody, but it can get kind of consuming everyone around you. But at the same time, you have a chance to really inspire people when you meet them. I'm kind of wondering what that feels like to have people come up to you and say like, oh, you inspired me to do this or that. And do you hear some cool stories along the way? Yeah, I think that that's the cool thing about um, racing or about uh, social media too. Like I, I'm not a very social person. Like I, I love solitude and, and I need time to be alone. Like uh, I can spend like easily one month without seeing anybody and I will be fine. And I cannot spend like 10 days seeing persons every day like uh, for my mental health on the other side like it's it's important and it's uh, and it's so cool today that we can get inspiration for from everybody and that's the cool thing is not because like uh, of course like i love to to hear what like alex connell or like uh, what colin Halley or like these guys are doing because it's inspiring and it's it's amazing but it's not only there like uh we when we go to race or when we go to or, or just like in social media we we can chat with people that uh, they must not be as well known and as as, as i am but uh but everybody has a story and has like uh fights and has things that we can learn and i think that's that's the most amazing thing that i can give some motivation i can give some inspiration to to people to to go outdoors not now <laughs> not these days <laughs> but uh, hopefully for after this crisis ends but I, I give inspiration uh on on hopefully having a more natural connected life and, and to practice sport and on the other side i i got i get inspiration from other people to to do things to do things better to so i think we all have things to to learn and we all have things to give and and that's the yeah that's community uh, even for someone like me that is not like a uh, i'm an introvert i'm not a very social person but i think uh that's the amazing thing is just to to communicate and to learn and to give when you say inspire people to have a nature connected life what why do you think that's uh important i mean you grew up with that so it's something you're pretty used to. And I know you you always encourage people and you want them to kind of get the most out of themselves, which is, I guess, in a nutshell, what you're about in a lot of ways, like sort of potential, whatever that might be. But why do you think that's uh, crucial, that getting outside part of it? Yeah, uh, I think we, well, we, we are animals. We are a, a, an animal and we need, we need to, like, we need water to, to be alive, we need uh, air to, to breathe. We need, it's not that we can live on artificial things. So we, we need nature to be humans. And uh, and I think more we go out, more we realize this. We realize that uh, uh, if we need uh, air to breathe, we need to take care of the air. If we need water to drink, we need to take care of, of the water, of the snow, of the everything around. So I think more we go outdoors, 
more we realize why we need nature and, and not why we need nature, but we are part of it. And I think then is that to, to feel part of, of the world and to feel part of the earth is, is to realize that we are that. And uh, yeah, I think that it's, it's hard to, to understand or hard to really feel it when we are just uh, sitting inside. So when we do the media tour like that and you're, you know, it's a Saturday morning in New York City and you're flagging down a taxi because we've lost you. We don't need to tell the bosses about that. Um, <laughs> what is it? What does that scene look like to you? I mean, obviously, you're not judging people. They, they need to make their living. They choose to live in these places. But is it just like, oh, my God, like it's cool to see the city like that. But because I know you hadn't spent time there before. But uh, do you feel like completely a fish out of water? Uh, yeah, sure. Like I, I, I'm lost. Like I'm, I'm really like, uh, when I'm in a city, it's, uh, I, yeah, it's, it's not me. Like I, I can feel like it's so many noises. It's so many movement. It's, it's everything going so fast, uh, that I, I, I'm completely like, uh, yeah, out of water. Um, but, uh, yeah, then as you said, like people need, jo- uh, need jobs, uh, people have different like things that they like to do hobbies. So. Uh, it's, it's not about like going all like living uh, in the in the mountains, but I think even like uh, people living in, in New York or in big cities, it's to, to find this nature and like uh, going to the park, going like the weekends in the nearby like uh, natural areas, and and I think uh, yeah, of course, like I, I will feel a stranger when I'm in a city, and, and probably someone from a city will feel a stranger uh going to to the wilderness but then it's like to to find the middle point and to i need to go to cities to work too and and, and people from cities need to go outdoors also to to realize uh, what we are so i think it's uh it's uh yeah it's good to for me it's good to go in the city for some days to realize also what's the lifestyle of uh, most of the people and and to understand uh yeah what's yeah, I think we need to to go to different places to to see what what different yeah cultures and what different uh, people is living. It's the same like uh, we traveling for me. It's, it's about that too. It's about like going to different places to to see that or truth or lifestyle. It's very. It's not only the unique. It's 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 different everywhere. Yeah, it's funny. Um... I have to tell the listeners because if if uh, I went for a a hike with you or something or or some sort of expedition Mont Blanc or something, I would expect that you would uh, be the one to keep me alive. And we were in New York City, and I said, "Oh man, I just got to make sure this guy doesn't get hit by a taxi or yeah. something." Like walk out in the street. <laughs> um, exactly. <laughs> I'm keeping him alive here. Or someone better. Let's talk about far away from the city. So I had one question about Everest. I know you've been asked these things a million times, but I'm curious what it really feels like to be on the roof of the world, as they say, totally by yourself. I know you're constantly thinking your head's not clear or not as clear as you would want it to be. So, And every step is a struggle. But is there any moment where you're like, whoa, this is where I am? Do you Can you stop and think about that? Well, it's... It's uh, sure that you are very concentrated on like, okay, it's, it's more a relief of saying, okay, I don't need to climb more up. It's, it's only going down <laughs> now, uh, but it's a long way down. So it's, it's kind of the relief, but uh, it's just like, it's cool. Like, uh, and, and not only like, uh, 
like uh, not only in the summit, but I remember like other expeditions too, like last outing when I was going up to to eight three or the year uh, in in sixteen, also going to to eight thousand, like being in the in the mountain, and, and especially I think these other years when I was completely alone in the mountain, that was a, a really cool cool feeling to be up there and see. Okay, I, it's it just being here, enjoying a sunrise or a sunset, and you know like it's it's cool like if if you are not in a stress like if you are like happy with the situation it's just like to to embrace that and to embrace the moment like it's it's unique it's, it's not not that that happens every day to be to be there <laughs> yeah and it's it's so beautiful and it's it's just like uh it's nice and and yeah it's it's this kind of experiences that you know that it happens mm, yeah few times in a life and, and you need to like take the most of it and, and just to try to absorb everything that is around and it's not like try to to get all the details but it's just to to feel i think it's kind of a satisfaction a, a deep satisfaction of being where you want to be and just being happy it's uh, i think it's this kind of moments that it's uh is not future and not past right you are really living the 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 present and and I love this kind of activities where you find these moments and it's just like for a few minutes that's it it's not that you are thinking about what you have done it's not that you are thinking what you will be doing in the future but you are just staying there and, and being present and that's that's something that people can find in yeah people can find that on meditation and I need to to go to do these big mountains or to climb or ski steep things but it's my my way to find these these moments and this this present. Yeah, that's interesting that you can stop and appreciate that. I think people are curious about that whether it's possible or everything's just so dialed in and focused. The Everest expedition took a lot of work. Um, well, the first one I had planning for it, I know, was um, you know a lot of crazy product stuff with with the guys at Solomon, the, the um, wild ideas and that. Can you tell us? Um, uh, everyone knows about the Everest shoes, the boots, the um, sort of shoe system. I think a lot of people have, have seen that. If you haven't, you can check it out. It's, it's on YouTube. But I'm curious if um, you can give me kind of a crazy product development story for the gearheads out there working with these folks at Salmon who are more crazy than you <laughs> about ideas and, and like ways to help the athletes. Is there a favorite jacket that you helped develop, a shoe? Um, Anything that's just like kind of wild came from a wild idea, and that would give people an idea of how you work behind the scenes on this stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that uh, Salomon, it's uh, it's great for that. Like they, the developers, the designers are just like so motivated. They are all like uh, sport passionate, and they they love uh, progression and 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 just like uh, they, they are two steps ahead of what's today and, and that's that's cool it's innovation i i think that that's the dna of salomon is innovation and i i love like i'm a gear geek too i i love developing gear i i love to to see what we can do and uh, and uh i think it's from the beginning i remember like just uh, uh from the sensual like uh that was a super uh intense and and cool process uh in 
one year we developed like from zero to to a shoe that today it's, it's everywhere and that was just like uh with one designer patrick lake and, and just like every week like uh doing prototypes cutting things adding things and it was uh very fast and very quick or uh just the idea like today we are all talking about this uh like the backpacks that they are best they, they are like best and before like a backpack was like a big volume in the bag with uh with two strings in the front and uh actually it was cool like uh, the first year i ran a tv i had not a backpack i put all my gear in a small pocket in the mm -hmm. uh in a in a banana and uh <laughs> they didn't they didn't like that, that very much did they yeah they, they didn't <laughs> like that so actually they, they changed the regulations they changed the rules so the year after it was mandatory to have a backpack <laughs> and my my first <laughs> My first uh, decision was, okay, I will have all my gear in the, in the small banana, in the small pocket, and I will just have a, yeah, a toy backpack, like two centimeters big uh, <laughs> in my banana too. And, uh, and people in San Juan say, okay, that's, if you read the rules, that can be okay, but maybe you will have some troubles like people will not understand. So uh, maybe it's good if we design a backpack that you feel comfortable with it. So actually it was, uh, that was Serge. He started to think about uh, how to do it, and, and he came with this idea of having like a, a backpack that was in between a t-shirt, and so you can put the everything in the front, so the front pockets were more important than what's in the back, and, and, and you know the rest of the story, like uh, today everybody is like uh, copying, and everybody's having this... Uh, these uh these kind of backpacks mm -hmm. so, so that's that just like to to see how yeah an engineer a designer like uh, with an idea with motivation it can just change yeah not just it's not just improve a product but it just like to change the way we practice the sport and the same for like high altitude with the shoes of course like the idea of like not having to carry like an approach shoes plus the climbing shoes that have all in one. I think that started in the Nominata in 2012 with the idea and, and we just keep designing and evolving and, and now like for, for high altitude. So that's, that's the great thing. It's not just about, yeah, improving products, but it's just about like changing the way we practice sport because the products allow us. So we had a few questions from some Solomon people and some social media. I'm going to hit you with some quick ones. Someone asked me to ask you, what do you why do you think you're always uh, pushing your limits? Where does where does that come from? Is there something in your uh, childhood or uh, what's what's going on there? Is there a deep deep secret? Um, well, I, I has always been competitive and competitive in the way that I want to push myself. I remember when I was a, a kid, I I wanted to to go farther, like to go faster and to, to suffer. I remember when I started like, uh, like cycling, uh, road cycling when I was like 11, 12 years old, I wanted like uphills to never end because I, <laughs> I loved the, the, the feeling of like suffering or like pushing and seeing where I can go when I can be tired. So yeah, it's, it's something that it's, it's on me. Like I, I love to, to push and to, to see where, yeah, where are the my limits, my personal limits? You just love to suffer. That's the answer. We don't know why. We're digging. That might need yeah. a psychologist for that, and I don't have that skill set. Pro probably, yeah. Um, probably, yeah. Okay, so one question is, what what race or project have you done that you wish you did not do? Like, is there anything you started and you were like, this kind of sucks. I don't, I don't want to be here right now. Or does that happen frequently and then you like to suffer, so you push through it? Um... 
Well, uh, yeah, some races I know that I was doing while injured. Uh, and, and afterwards, I say, okay, that was a very stupid decision. <laughs> um, I remember I raced one time, like uh, the final of the sky running, like uh, in Limone, and I was very injured. I had like a, a big injury in my hip, and, and oh, I yeah. still did it. Uh, you were hobbling. Uh, that video was, yeah, was you were like limping the whole way. Really, really hobbling, yeah. Or uh, UTMB, uh, I, it was 2018 when like I took the start knowing that I it was 90% of possibilities I, I would not finish uh, because I had an allergic this uh, reaction. Or uh, uh, I also start like Diagonal de Fu one year when I was also injured. Uh, but then, yeah, it was nice because, like, uh, I, I just finished, like, easy and, and enjoying the, the view. So I, I has always kind of enjoyed the race, even if I was injured I, and I could not perform as I, I was looking for. But then it's like you are there and, and it's, it's not because I don't go fast that I cannot enjoy it. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, like, of course, in terms of training or, or in terms of, like, keeping healthy, it was not the best decisions, but I had nice times, so that was okay. In the race in South Africa, the Otter Trail, the final of the Golden Trail Series, uh, first year, you were hurt. Yeah. And you, you took the start and you ran for 10K or so, but you were, you were too injured. That's probably the first time you kind of ran with a pack of regular people. I don't call them regular because they're running a very challenging race, but... Um, was there any perspective? I know they were all talking to you, but was it cool for you to actually see how the regular people run, run a race and what they talk about and how they go through it? I mean, you were hurt, but you ran with them for, I don't know, probably five or six miles or uh, kilom 10 kilometers. What was it like, that perspective? Well, I, I, actually, in this race, I, I could not, like, chat a lot with them because, like, I started with the front pack yeah. until it really, really hurt. So then I was like chatting on people that was passing me. So it was like, I was just saying like, uh, hey guys, uh, I go. Uh, and, and, and it was, uh, I was more like a spectator, like sharing okay. while like, I was going to the next day, the station. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I think it was in Diagonal de Fou some years ago that I really, I was injured, but I could like run kind of slow and, and hike. So there I spent like a lot of time like uh, with, uh, with uh, people like running and it was it's cool like i think like we have the perspective of like going fast and like uh pushing and, and everything it's uh that you don't really uh enjoy like the views or the ambience of the race because you are just like focusing on like uh the the strategy or like the, the tactics or like the the race itself so uh actually it's pretty cool to just uh slow it down and do a race like uh, easy so yeah you just like chat with people chat with uh, the aid stations and and uh, and the crews and yeah it's it's yeah it's it's nice and actually but i think everybody's like pushing at his level like right yeah uh is uh yeah it's not because uh like at the back of the the park that people is just like going chatting they are pushing the same as as we do in the in the front so then it's just like for for us it's easier because we push maybe for like let's say three hours and yeah for the <laughs> back of the pack they push for five hours but the the suffering is the same yep that's a good point do you think you'll still be doing that when you're say 60 years old if you're not at the front of the pack not to say you won't be at the front of the pack i don't want to insult you but um in you know 30 years will you be out there just running for fun and connecting with people 
Uh, I hope so. Like, uh, uh, for sure, I, I will not be in the front like <laughs> for many, many more years. Like, uh, uh, but uh, I think like I love sports and, and I love like the ambience and races and uh, probably not like big races that demands like traveling or that. But I, I love to go to local races and and seeing like this. All people like that's so inspiring. Like when I have friends that they have like 70, 80 years old, yeah. and they they train every day, they go for races, they go for the climbs, and that's amazing. Like I I really hope I have the health for doing that and the motivation for keep like uh, exercising and training every day. Um, someone wanted me to ask you from social media if you weren't an athlete, what would you be doing? Well, like I would be doing sport like as a hobby for right. sure. Um, but uh, I love like a sport science. Uh, so I love everything that is like coaching or like uh, research on that. Uh, that's what I study in the university. Uh, I like also like photography now. Uh, uh, so probably something, it, it will be like related to mountains and to sports somehow. Uh, if I'm not an athlete, it would be like as a photographer, as a coach. Uh, something like that, probably. Yeah. Okay. Just a couple quick questions to finish up, and I'll let you go. I'm sure you got a baby that's going to wake up there soon. You probably won't answer this, but if you could run one race or trail with someone else, one person, who would it be? There's probably a right answer to who it would be, so don't get yourself in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, <laughs> that's uh, the, the the person. Like, I, I love to to go uh, to mountains with uh, with Emily. Uh, I think uh, it's uh, it's someone that I really understands me, and, and we have kind of same feeling of like what we like to do and how we like to do things. So I I love to to go running with uh, uh, with her or to, to mountains. But uh, yeah, like I, I like to go with uh, different people and and uh, like for example, in ski mountaineering that it's uh, team races. I love to do it with different partners. I has been racing with uh, many different friends. And that's cool too because then it's like it's different things that you learn from from each, and it's different things that you experience with uh, with someone or with another person. Some it's more like about fun and the jokes, and some it's more serious, but you push yourself. Uh, so I think it's it's cool to to do with different persons to to have different experiences too. And do you have a favorite trail or run or something that you would be like a goat? Like a lot of people, they have like, uh, if there's one t place they want to run during a week after work, they're going to go to this park or trail or whatever. Do you have a spot you really love anywhere in the world? Hmm. Well, that's that's such a hard question. Uh, uh, like, I, I, love, I love to change. I love to do different mm -hmm. things. Like, I love also to enjoy my, where I live. Like, but I think everywhere... It has its charm. It has its nice thing. Like I love here in Norway. I love like the Alps. I love uh, Himalayas, Nepal. Um, I I love the U.S. Like the 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 West Coast and like uh, the the Rockies. Mm. Uh, it's the Pyrenees, of course. Like it's so many good places. And I think it's just like sometimes we think we think about like far away like uh, mm -hmm. this uh, place like uh, back in Alaska of course is amazing or like Patagonia of course is amazing but we forgot that uh, just like maybe like 10 miles from home we have this amazing range or this forest and, uh, and I encourage people to just go out and, and discover our backyard because uh, we, we find like things that they are they are very cool. 
Do you have a spot like where you grew up as a kid? Like if you go home to visit your mom or something that you go, I'll go run that trail because I did it as a kid. Is there is there any place like that? Yeah, sure. That when I go to to visit my uh, my mom or my father in uh, in the Pyrenees, it's it's uh, uh, it's trails there that has been running since I was uh, I was a kid. Right. Uh, for example, the the Ultra Pyrenees that it was Cavais del before. It's a uh, it's a road uh, around huts or around mountain huts. Uh, and actually, I, I was like working in a mountain hut for for some years when I was a kid and uh, it was one of these so I started running when I was like uh, 13, 12, 13 years old and uh, and that's a, a thing that I, I always like to do to go to this place because I has been running every year since uh, yeah. and it's uh, it feels part of uh, who am I. Yeah, it must be fun to think like, wow, I've done a lot and here I am back in this, this trail. Everyone has that, I guess, if you move away from home in some way or another. Finally, any advice you would give yourself if you were, uh, say, 20 years old again or 18? Or I, I was watching on social media, there was a guy, a kid, I think, on Instagram who, he was a young kid. He did run, like, I don't know, an ultra or something, which seemed crazy to me. But any advice you'd give to yourself or those young person who's uh, on the way up? Rest is okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very bad on that. Like, I'm very, very bad. Like, I, I feel like I'm getting injured, and I keep pushing, saying, okay, maybe just go. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. So, uh, uh, and yeah, rest is okay. It's not like a, a problem to spend, like, one week, one month without exercising because, uh, yeah, it will come back, and, and it's plenty of time to, to train. Uh, that's one thing. And then, like, not to be that stubborn, like, on when you feel like to listen in the body like uh, when something you feel that you are tired or that it's uh, it's painful uh that's for sure and then like i i think uh, one advice that uh my when i started training my coach uh gave me it was to not focus on results but to focus on the process and not to think about be, like uh, becoming like world champion or winning this race but just to to embrace the training lifestyle, to to go training, to do the workouts, and someday it will pay off. And, and just like to enjoy this lifestyle of uh, being out training, seeing that it's some progression, and uh, and yeah, not not thinking okay, the results is not coming, or the results is arriving, or uh, yeah, how how the shape is, but just like to yeah, to live that moment, to live the the lifestyle, and not to focus on on the goals. Good advice. And resting is uh, pertinent advice at the moment for everybody, I guess, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we look like we are crazy to see how many like miles we can do training in the apartment or like how can we exercise inside. Like it's OK to take like one week resting and uh, just like enjoy time with the, with the family, with the kids and to, to think uh, uh, maybe it's the, the time to read about more, to read about uh, uh, research and to read about training, to coaching, to because I remember when I was injured the first time, like uh, I I was six months uh, um, uh, injured, so I could not do do anything, and I learned a lot during this time about uh, uh, psychology, about nutrition, about like how to race better, how to 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 train better, 
and uh, I became a much better athlete because I was uh, I needed to stop and I needed to and I used that time to to improve sport on not just training. Great. Well, thanks. That's good advice right now. I appreciate the time, Killian. If everyone doesn't follow Killian on social media, you should, especially on Instagram for those photos. He's also on all of our Solomon channels, of course. But I appreciate the time, man. And thanks to everyone for listening. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast. I got some other guests coming up here in the next few days and weeks and trying to keep everyone entertained a bit. And of course, uh, stay safe, take care of yourselves, your families, listen to the experts, all that. Um, Thanks for listening and thank you, Killian. Thank you, Tim.